Poor Bryce Young. He's going to start 0-2 as he loses to Atlanta and then in New Orleans for you know Monday Night Football. So he'll start 0-2. Sorry, Bryce. I say that 1-1. Yeah, I mean, maybe beats New Orleans. That's fucking understandable. But he's not going to beat the Atlanta <laughs> okay. Falcons. So, um, But I don't think he's doing either. I think he's got an 0-2. With Mark Davis, Chris Kamihart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Hello and welcome to this. The Denver Nuggets went into Miami and snatched Game 3. And we have our sleepers and overhyped players for the 2023 Redraft Fantasy Season episode of All About the Balls podcast. I'm your host, Mark Davis. Not feeling so good because, like I said, Miami lost Game 3. But I'm in the sack house. Joined once again by two wonderful, great co-hosts. Shout out to Doc. We won't have you in here. But this, everyone that's listening to this, this is a tearjerker to me. Very near and dear to my heart. I have my two closest friends in the world. Literally my two brothers. Never thought we'd be the only three in the sack house recording an episode. Man, oh man. I'm excited. And with that being said, I'm joined alongside Luke Rule and our local hero, Father and husband of the year as he took care of his in-laws this past week. Chris Gemeinhart. Chris, welcome back to the Sack House. So glad to be back in the Sack House, Mark. I love it here. love talking about balls with you boys. I'm glad I can do it with my two brothers. And Luke, it looked like you had a fucking fantastic night at the pre-CMA festival. Please tell me how that went. Yeah, I mean, today, day one CMA fest, so... Went in there, got, got a little early day drinking in, but made it back on time for the hitting the sack house. Damn right. And everyone, he does it with a plan. He Ubered there, Ubered back. That's a fucking hero right there. God damn you, Luke. You are a fucking hero and a saint to this community. But we have don't a packed show. Yeah, don't drink. Hey, we do not advertise that on this show. Do not drink and drive. The law will get you. With that being unless said, though, we have a packed. Yeah, unless you're NASCAR, which we'll <laughs> talk about that coming up. That's probably at the end of the, the show. But we have a packed show. We're going to go over game three of the NBA Finals. Also, kind of preview game four as it's going to air before we uh, actually release this episode. We're going to talk into a little bit NFL headlines as some news has been swirling around there today and yesterday. Uh, this is June 8th. So June 7th, June 8th had some big topics going on. We're also going to talk about the Josh Allen Madden cover. And then we will discuss our each top three sleepers and overhyped players for this year. We also have a listener's load segment, so be prepared. And, yes, we will dive into some soccer and golf because Saudi Arabia is taking over the news. But, boys, more specifically you, Chris, the Denver Nuggets, led by Joker and Jamal Murray, both had two 20, I'm sorry, two 30-point triple doubles, just manhandled Miami in the second half. I know you weren't here for the last episode, but this game seemed like game one where Miami just couldn't get their shots going on or going through the poop. What does Miami need to do? to start getting the fucking game going again. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, it was Joker's and Murray's game. They both popped off. I mean, Miami's five starters combined for 66 points, 25 rebounds, and 12 assists. Joker and Murray alone combined for 66 points, 31 rebounds, and 20 assists. I mean, it was their game. MPJ and KCP didn't do much, but, I mean, their defense was scary that night. I, Miami just needs to make the shots. I mean, Let's see, Miami missed 16 out of 19 shots that were contested by Joker. 
I mean, Joker's in their mind right now. They just got to sweep it off. I truly feel like Denver lost game two just so they could win this whole series in game five in Denver. Yeah, I had that argument with another guy in our group chat. Shout out to you, Jules. I just don't believe that. Teams don't lose on purpose. It's too... It's too much right now going on. You, one game can change the whole series, so they don't. I don't believe they're doing that. But Luke, Jimmy Butler had a pretty good game, um, but do you still believe that it's going to be every other game and it goes to game seven? I mean, so far, it's what it's looking like. So two games, Denver, one game, Miami, the flip-flop back and forth, flip-flop all the way to game seven where uh, the Denver is going to take it in the end. Yeah, and, and- – Chris, like you said, I do agree with you. Miami has hit their shots. It's just, uh, I mean, they were playing pretty good ball in the first half. They were tied after the first quarter. They were down only the five at the end of the first half. That's, you know, it's a pretty good score to be behind the, the Denver Nuggets. But they hit that wall. They played pretty good defense, but it seemed like the Denver Nuggets started to feel, figure out that zone a little bit. And they did make a lot of circus shots. It seems like Joker, he's got literally the softest touch I think I've ever seen an NBA player have in the league. Yeah, I mean, to me, it kind of felt like Miami gave up in the fourth. I mean, they cut the lead down to nine, forced a turnover, still a minute, 19 seconds left on the clock. I mean, not a lot of time, but Miami could have done something. What truly made me sad was seeing all those fans leave late in the fourth. It just, you spend all that money to go to a playoff game. I mean, especially a championship game. I mean, stay for your team. You support them. Miami just needs to make those shots, like you said. Yeah, and the only issue I have, I don't think it's like the defining factor, but, you know, these NBA players, we know that they flop and that they complain. But, I mean, I love Joker. I mean, win or lose, if he beats us, I still I still like Joker's game. I think he's a hell of a player. But, dude, that man is flopping and complaining harder than I think I've ever seen LeBron James do. It's pretty pathetic. Having a guy that's seven foot tall, you get pushed by Kyle Lowry, and you just you flop down like – I'm sorry, Kyle Lowry's not shoving you to the ground. And it's just annoying. He's always complained, always shrugging his shoulders, giving that fucking stupid-ass face look that he does to the referees. Like, why isn't he getting a call? And it's just – in the finals, you man, you don't need to be doing this. Like, just fucking play the game and just shut the fuck up. So, I mean, that's – And that's why Luke doesn't watch basketball, to be honest, is because these guys fucking flop. Yeah, I mean, that's the NBA in a nutshell, though. These superstars are flopping. They know the refs are going to call it for them. Just like MJ talking to the refs, asking if they fouled him. He's saying yes, and then the ref's like, okay, Michael, I'm on your side. I mean, we well, all that's know things the, like the, refs, video. the refs kill me with that shit. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest part of why I hate watching the NBA is because one guy can drive for the drive to the hoop and then gets hit, and it's free throws. Yeah, I, yeah, basketball is just a very ticky-tacky. I think it's the most inconsistent game with the refs. But I'm not saying the refs are the reason why we're losing. But that's not the reason why we're down 2-1. I feel like the refs haven't been that bad, honestly. I feel like they've been pretty quiet. No one's had any complaints. And with that, Chris, does Miami get game four? Do they tie the series back going into Denver for game five? I, I mean, it's hard. So everyone knows, like, the famous saying, defense wins championships – I don't think this is the case for this game or this series at all. I think it's all about offense and who can outscore the most. I mean, the Nuggets offense is spectacular. Miami needs to step up. And like we've been repeating, they need to make their shots. 
and whatever team has the highest points is going to win the game at the end of the day. I mean, that's usually how sports works besides golf when it's the lowest score. But I have Miami winning. That's the question I I was asking you. And I'm going to go Miami because this game is a must win. If they go down 3-1, I mean, it's over. There's no coming back from that. Uh, They they have to win game four. I think Miami's going to come out a lot more power like they did. They they played a lot better in the first half. I think that's going to carry over the second half for this next game. I have Miami, not in a blowout. I have them in a close game. Luke, I'm assuming if you're going flip-flop, you have Miami as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I honestly don't know. I'm not watching it, so it doesn't matter to me either way. Yeah, just know, like Chris says, the most points wins the game. Chris, you didn't say who you have have winning, though. No, no, I said in the beginning, I have Denver winning this one. Okay, so, all right, so hopefully we'll have a game four uh, or game after game four be 2-2, but we'll never know until tomorrow. Speaking of that, the Florida Panthers, though, we're a quick shout-out to them. They just beat the Vegas Knights in overtime. Miami, sorry, the Florida Panthers are on the win column in the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's go, boys. We need to get this win, bring a championship back to Florida. I mean, I thought it was about to be a sweep, just like Oklahoma State did to Florida State in the Women's College World Series right there. Yeah, and your Oklahoma Sooners, like you just said, uh, shout-out to you, Derek Jones. Florida State sucks um, at everything they do, honestly. But Oklahoma is now a three- consecutive time champion in the softball NCAA world. That's fucking phenomenal. I don't give a shit what sport it is. If you win the championship three years in a row, that's pretty good. Luke, shout out. I'm sorry. You, you tell the misses, man. I'm sorry that Florida State could not pull off this fucking NCAA women's softball championship. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, going against I mean uh, Oklahoma, they're, they're what, on a what, almost 40-game win streak? Yeah. So, <laughs> they just don't lose. So when you play a team that doesn't lose, it's hard to win. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because that. if a team doesn't lose, that means they're winning championships. Yet once exactly. again, that's that's how it, you know works. That's Points how are it winning. Goes. Yeah, I mean at the end, um, of, at the end of the day, Oklahoma softball figured it out. At the end of the day, Oklahoma softball has a higher score than any opponent they play. Yep, and that's why For the past forty games. And that's why they're the fucking winning. <laughs> that's why the most winningest program last three years and they're the champions for three straight consecutive years. Fuck you, Oklahoma, though. Uh, you're dog shit. Just throwing that out there. But let's move on. Let's move on. Let's get out of the softball talk. And let's fucking actually toss up some good balls right here. We're going to talk about football. There's some headlines going around, boys. I know, like, a couple days ago when we were talking about what we we're going to talk about, a couple things that pop up. And today, June 8th. I was on the golf course with, with my team, won a golf tournament this morning or this afternoon. Round got news. Applause. Dalvin Cook got cut by the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings have now cut Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Eric Kendricks, three great players they've had for quite a while. But, man, Chris, we lost Zeke Elliott. The Cowboys cut him, and now Dalvin Cook. I know Dalvin Cook's going to get a lot more headlines than, than Zeke Elliott. How huge is this for Minnesota and Dalvin Cook? I mean, I think it's – I'm just blown away that they didn't weren't able to work a trade out for Dalvin or something. I feel like you still have that injury concern with him, but I feel like he saw some some fuel in that tank to come out and still be that RB1 for a team. Yeah, and Luke, do you think he can still be the, the, the primary running back on a team or do you think he should go more to like a running back committee? 
I think probably a committee would probably fit him better right now. He does have the injury concern, so you probably don't give him the full workload of that RB1 spot. I mean, he could go join a committee with his brother up at in uh, Buffalo. Yeah, uh, and speaking of – Cool place to like see him play play together both the running back position. Speaking of that, I mean, obviously Miami's the is the favorite to get him, but do you think Buffalo's in that running? Do you think that they indulge another running back? I know they have uh, Harris, Hines, and like you said, the younger Cook, the, the little brother. Do you think he goes to Buffalo, or do you think he he kind of teased Miami? But where do you think it is, when it's all said and done, where he's going to go? I think, I think either team is going to take get him on a discount. So th- those are probably the two cheapest places he'd go play because he wants to be in Miami, it feels like. Plus, he probably also would like to play with his brother. And Chris, your former coach, has been rumored to be gathering information to go after Dalvin Cook. It seems that Miami, followed by Denver, is the second choice uh, or second option that looks like that's going to go after Dalvin Cook heavily. Do you think adding Dalvin Cook to Denver could help that team with Russell Wilson and the new, like I said, the new head coach with Sean Payton? Yeah, no, I think him going to Denver would be the greatest outcome for him personally. I mean, Sean Payton knows how to handle a running back like him. Him and Alvin Kamara were both in the same draft class. Dalvin was drafted ahead of him. And Sean Payton knows how to play that offense with that rookie, not the rookie, but like a wildcat running back that can pretty much do anything, catch the ball, run the ball. So I think it'd be great for him to go to Denver. I agree with you that, Sean Payton can work it like work something out with Dalvin Cook. Definitely get him involved. Definitely help that offense thrive. But I think his best situation is to go to Miami. I just think with that offense they have out there, all track speed. Yeah, I know they have Mostert and Wilson, and they drafted the kid out of Texas A and M. But Dalvin Cook there with Tua, they're not going to be able to stack the box because you have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle out there, fucking running 30, 40 yard routes, and like you have to cover that. So it's a lot more room for Dalvin Cook to fucking grow and excel in that offense, and then take that over the top even more, which I think that would also help Tua stay healthy so you don't have to fucking sit there and roll him out so much and let him keep getting hit and banged around. But I just think Miami and Dalvin Cook would be a perfect fit. I, I don't know, man. I just – that AFC East division is just getting fucking interesting. And Luke, if he goes to Miami, does that make Miami AFC favorites? Uh, no, I just with the injury concerns with Tua, I don't think they'll be a favorite. If they don't have Tua at quarterback, they really don't have anybody to throw the ball. And you saw that how that happened last season. So, Tua also doesn't have a strong enough arm to get the full potential out of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, Chris, do you think that Miami is a, is a favorite if he signs there? I. it's hard. I mean, I don't think it's going to change much to what Miami's outcome would be. I mean, that one's definitely an outcome, but like you said, they already have their three running back head, which happened last year as well, and they did pretty decent. It would definitely throw a wrench into that division, though. And I don't. Yeah, definitely. I, I, uh... I'm not. I anybody talking about like injury concerns with Tua? I'm not. Not following that. I don't think there's much injury concerns. I mean, he had concussion after concussion. I think they put him in too soon, and that led to concussion after his first concussion. I think if he just doesn't alleged get in the concussion. head, he's going to stay in alleged concussion. Yeah, but I don't think there's an injury. But let's concern roll. Too. Let's roll back a little bit, though. I know, like you know, Minnesota's clearing house. Is Minnesota going to be a dumpster fire this year, or 
are they still going to kind of compete with, you know, they still have JJ and they have Hawkinson. They do have Alexander Madison and, and, you know, Kirk Cousins. Luke, is Minnesota still in the running to compete for the NFC crown? I mean, the NFC is a pretty weak division overall. So I, I think they may be a wild card slot or something like that. I mean, Kirk Thuggins, you know, he can do just enough to win games and get him to the playoffs. Once the playoffs or primetime games happen, he just he just throws the ball to the other team. Yeah, Chris, do you think Minnesota's kind of retooling or are they more in the rebuilding stage? I think – I don't think they're in the rebuilding stage. I mean, they still have the players to compete. I mean, you got Chain Cousin over there slinging the rock. Just don't give him any primetime games and he's going to win it. But they got JJ there. I still, I still think they're going to compete this year. And we forget they did add Brian Flores to be their defensive coordinator, and I think he's a very excellent mind for the game. Shout out to Zach Rizlov. He brought that up to me, you know, a few weeks ago when we were talking football. I forgot about that. And I'm not like their defense has been so shit the last couple of years that, you know, a coordinator can change that. They can get different schemes in there, definitely change that. So interesting to see what they're going to do with Brian Flores, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not high on Minnesota still. I, I mean, even with Dalvin Cook there, I was not high on them making the playoffs. I think they fought back. They were in a lot of one-score games last year. How likely are they going to win those kind of games again this year? I mean, yeah, i just not a big believer in Minnesota. But interested to see where Dalvin Cook's going to go. But let's move on to a couple more signings real quick. we got Frank Clark, a two-time Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs, now joining the Denver Broncos. Very interesting. I'm not sure – what that says, Chris, with your boy Sean Payton, if that defense is going to be better this year or what's going on. Do you like that Frank Clark signing? No, I absolutely hate the Frank Clark signing, signing, and I hate the other signing you're about to say because I wanted the Saints to sign either one of those edges. I think we just need some veteran. We, we drafted some high rookies, but I think we need that veteran leadership on that line. And, Luke, what he's but talking gonna about is the other Denver. one. Yeah, great for Denver. But, Luke, what he was talking about, the other signing is Leonard Floyd, former Los Angeles Ram, former Super Bowl champion, joined the Buffalo Bills with Von Miller and that stacked defense they have out there. How huge is this for Buffalo? Yeah, man, it's just going to solidify the defense for him. I think defense kind of lacked last year once Von Miller went down. So pairing him with Von Miller, a healthy Von Miller for this year, just going to set that edge for both sides on that team. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that this defense is going to eat. It's definitely going to keep the offense afloat. I'm still a little shaky on the offense, even though they have Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I think they're going to be fine, but I think just adding this with that defense is going to keep the offense in good field position. You know, Josh Allen can do his thing. And speaking of Josh Allen, boys, he is the new 2024 Madden cover athlete. Congratulations to you, Josh Allen. You're one hell of a quarterback. We're not taking it away from you. But the question is, did EA Sports get it wrong this year? That's what I want to start with. Chris, me and you have played Madden for years. Do you think another athlete from last year that had a great year deserved it over Josh Allen? I mean, like, I don't know who else the NFL would have or EA would have put on the cover. I mean, you can't put Patty Mahomes on the cover again. Like you said before we started up the chat, maybe Travis Kelsey – I mean, or maybe throw one of these rookies on. I mean, I would have loved to see Sauce on there, Defensive Player of the Year, rookie. I mean, or Garrett Wilson over there. Maybe throw in a rookie, but I good for Josh Allen. 
I mean, I'm okay with the Josh Allen thing. Like, if he's on it, he's on it. I, I get it. <clears throat> Someone said, well, so I saw a comment on, on Facebook, and I, I, you know, I engaged in it. He's like, well, he, he pretty much led the league interceptions, and, like, compared to Jameis Winston, I tried explaining, well, Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions to Josh Allen's 14 is completely different. Also, Josh Allen took the team to the playoffs, had more yards, had more touchdowns. Also, I compared that, you know, Mahomes and Joe, Joe Burrow each had 12. So they had two less than Josh Allen. So if you're saying Josh Allen's shit, then you're saying, you know, then they're saying he's shit. And he's like, well, he hasn't been to the Super Bowl. It's like, just because you've never been to the Super Bowl doesn't mean you're a shitty quarterback. But I'm okay with it. I do think that you could have made an argument for Justin Jefferson or even Jalen Hurts. I thought Jalen Hurts had a fantastic year. Obviously, Justin Jefferson literally fuck has a dance after him. So, like, the gritty is his dance. So you could have made that as your cover. And I think it would have been a fire cover. Luke, I know you don't play Madden that much, but – do you think EA got it wrong? No, I wouldn't say they got it wrong. I, I think they went the safe route, going with, uh, you know, quarterback had a good year, stuff like that. It's always safe to go with one of these top-tier quarterbacks. I, I feel like they should, like, give a little more love to the big defensive guys that are just wrecking games week after week. Like, they could have put Michael Parsons on there. Dude is feared on the defensive end position, something like that. Big brand, Cowboys team player. So, I don't I, I think I the, last, the safe route with uh, Josh Allen. I think the last Stevenson players on the Madden cover was Richard Sherman in 2015, so the 2014 season. But, and I mean, yeah, yeah safe, too. safe route too, man. Like you, you saw what he can do in the game. He ran over fucking Patrick Queen, Queen like it was nothing going in the fucking end zone. I mean, dude can run over a linebacker. He should be on the cover. So, <laughs> uh, check only the, the simulation. Check the tape. Yeah, check, check the tape. They, they posted the tape up there. He didn't get run over. No, he didn't get run over. I mean, he also didn't go head. He didn't go head up with Josh Allen. I mean, rightfully so. I wouldn't want to go head up with Josh Allen either. But that's a big boy. He went. He went. Did the right route. Went after his legs. Chopped him down while he went with his shoulders. So can't can't complain. It's a good tackle. But Chris, your favorite Madden cover? Though I like to hear this. What was your favorite Madden cover? You know, growing up and even maybe modern time. You know, Mark, I I have two right here. I have one that's really close to my heart. Madden eleven with Drew Brees on it. I mean, <laughs> the paint splats, the Superdome in the background, the fans love it. And then my other one was Madden 10 the year before with Troy Palomalo and Larry Fitzgerald. That cover just went hard with both of them facing each other. And that was also a great Super Bowl. So, Yeah, that was also the first duo athletes on a Madden cover. That's one of my favorites, one, one of my favorite ones too. Yeah, I'm a little biased. I got Mike Vick on there. Mike Vick's is arguably the greatest Madden player that you can play with in the game. He was literally a video game cheat code, but I'm going to go with John Madden as well. I think last year's cover Madden 23, just a good tribute to him. I mean, had a lot of cool X's and O's in there, things like that for a coach. Obviously the game's named after him. He was the voice of Madden for a while before he stopped uh, doing like, they ask Madden. He wasn't like, he wasn't giving his you know feedback. Luke, I have a feeling where you're going to go, but your favorite Madden cover. Uh, see, I'm going to go Ray Lewis on Madden 2005. Give the defensive love here. So I think Ray Lewis is a defensive player of the year, the year prior to the Madden cover coming out. So give some defensive players some love. Yeah, he literally killed that Madden cover. So shout out to Ray Lewis in the 2004 season. A few, few years later, allegedly, yeah. it was he was found unfounded. I wasn't doing that to, for, to bring Pro- that allegation out. Yeah, I, that's why I said I wasn't doing it to bring it up. 
I'm just saying he killed that cover. I mean, it was, looked fierce. It looked scary. That's Ray Lewis in a nutshell, dude. That guy's a fuck. It was a guy that was a monster on the field. So great cover for him. But that does it for our NFL headlines. You know, like I said, it's still. Oh, actually, one last one that came up. Bryce Young got promoted to be the start, took and started reps and OTAs. So I guess that whole Andy Dalton comment, you know, oh, he's a starter. That was bullshit, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it was just a smoke screen. And you you got to say it because you want that competition in the quarterback room. It's good for both of them. But we all knew from day one when they drafted Bryce Young, number one, that he was going to start. And poor Bryce Young. He's going to start 0-2 as he loses to Atlanta and then in New Orleans for, you know, Monday Night Football. So he'll start 0-2. Sorry, Bryce. I say that 1-1. Yeah, I mean, maybe beats New Orleans. That's fucking understandable. But he's not going to beat the Atlanta <laughs> okay. Falcons. So, um, but I don't think he's doing either. I think he's got an 0 2. Carolina's got a long ways to go, in my opinion. But moving on, maybe maybe he'll reach your top three sleepers as we are about to address our top three sleepers and our top three overhyped players going into the fantasy 2023 redraft season. Obviously, sleepers are guys, just, you know, kind of give a little definition of what we consider a sleeper as. Sleepers are guys that you can draft middle to late rounds that can potentially help you win your league over hyped players or what the guys here are going to call a bust player. To me, it's not a, a true bust. It just means it's overhyped. You don't have to draft them as high as you as you, you get them. So, like, for example, when I name mine, I don't have to get him in the first round. If he's there in the second round, sure. Third round, maybe. But not draft him in the first round. Wasted my, my top pick with that guy. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. We're going to start with sleepers. Give me your first sleeper. I have Kendra Miller out of New Orleans. I mean, he was a round three running back draft, so the Saints are going to look to play him. He did fly a little bit under the radar. He had an MCL injury that prevented him to work out pre-draft. He has the same build as Gibbs and Robinson. He looks a lot like AK. He also told AK he's coming for his spot, and with AK facing a possible suspension, he's going to get that playing time early with Jamal Williams. So I definitely have him as a late round pickup day one starter. Yeah. And it's definitely interesting if, if AK gets suspended too, like you said, so he might then be backing up um, your boy, Jamal Williams, and he might even compete for, you know, getting more playing time. Cause you know what we saw last year, Jamal was more of a goal line back uh, towards the end of the season. Luke, your first sleeper. So my first, well, I'm going to do my reverse order. So, my last sleeper I'm going to do is Jalen Hyatt, uh, rookie out of Tennessee. Uh, so playing for the Giants, he's he's going to be wide open in the wide receiver position. He's big, tall. Uh, Danny Dimes is going to be able to get him the ball. So I, I like Jalen Hyatt. Uh, he had some big games last season, so he's big game uh, player. So yeah, I'm plus, he's 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 somebody that's getting slept on so far at the wide receiver position. Like he was one of the later wide receivers drafted. Third round, I believe. Yeah. So I like Jalen Hyatt. I'm high on him too, Luke. Uh, I, I I like him, especially in a dynasty, which we're not going to talk much dynasty on here because we haven't really done it yet. But I like him in for a dynasty. Chris, you, you, you like that? Jalen Hyatt is a sleeper. I, I think he's got the potential to be maybe a pretty good receiver. Yeah, no, he definitely has the potential to be a wide receiver too coming out. I'd love to see what Danny Doms does after he got that big paycheck. I mean, he has that offense open, so and he was phenomenal over in Tennessee. So he's a breakout player for sure. Yeah, and my first sleeper, 
I don't have any rookies, honestly, on my list for any of these, but my first sleeper is Isaiah Pacheco, the running back from the Kansas City Chiefs. We started to see Kansas City use him a lot more last year towards the second half of the season and the playoff run they had and their Super Bowl run. Obviously, we understand Kansas City running backs, you know, like why draft him? They're a passing team, but they don't have those those true weapons besides Travis Kelsey. So I believe that the Pacheco is going to get involved in the, the passing game a lot more. I think he's he runs hard downhill, which is good for the Chiefs. I believe he can get about five about five yards of carry. And then on goal lines, you don't maybe you don't have to do those trick plays. Maybe you just hand it off to him. I think he's going to snag some touchdowns too. I don't know how you boys feel about him, but I'm excited for Isaiah Pacheco with the Andy Reid system going on now in his second year. Yeah, I mean, I like Pacheco. I had him in my fantasy team last season for I think the second half of the season. And he he balled out. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Clyde is sl- slowly starting to lose his RB one role. And I think Pacheco is going to be great stepping up with that Andy Reid offense, like you said. Oh, I, I think Clyde has lost his running back one role. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he played much after the uh, second half of that season last year. Um, it's a shame, though. He had a lot of potential coming out you know, when he came out from LSU with that dangerous LSU 2019 team. But we move on. Chris, your second sleeper that you have. I got Van Jefferson. I mean, that depth chart behind Cooper Cup complete shambles i mean they traded Allen robinson to the steelers for a bag of pretty much fucking peanuts i mean jefferson will emerge as the wide receiver too for that rams offense in 2021 he played 80 percent of the snaps i mean 50 passes for 802 yards six scores i mean that's at least some flex numbers for your wide receiver in that flex yeah i think van jefferson can get back to his his uh old old time days where he was the you know wide receiver two and wide receiver three eventually but it all depends on Stafford I think if Stafford's there yeah he can give him the ball pretty good Jefferson's supposed to come back healthy um we've seen him play good when when he's out there so I like that I I, I think Jefferson has a lot of potential to be the wide receiver two in Los Angeles with the Rams Luke number two for you so I'm gonna stick with you Mark on the Kansas City theme but I'm gonna go the wide receiver Kadarius Tony with Kansas City I think Kadarius Tony is probably going to be the wide receiver one for Kansas City. And having Travis Kelsey to get in a lot of the defensive attention, I think it's going to leave him open a lot. He's got the big play ability, and he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. So you got you got QB one throwing the ball. About somebody's going to somebody's going to get some points and eat. He had a decent uh, first part of the season with Kansas City once he got traded. So I think he continues on, and I think he's going to be one of the big players to be. Stay out of trouble. Yeah, Chris, I, I don't know about you, but I like that. I, I I think what Luke's coming on to is right. I mean, once they started getting Tony involved in the offense, they got Cray with them, and he was he was balling out. He's a first-round draft pick from the New York Giants. I understand he didn't get as much looks last year. You know, it's hard for a receiver to come into a new team halfway through the season. Do you like Tony maybe coming into this 2023 season? Yeah, no, I do. I think he's definitely a sleeper. I mean, he's low in the ADP, so you can snag him late mid-round, late-round. And he's going to definitely put up some flex numbers for you. Yeah. Chris, I got a guy for my number two that played for the Bengals last year. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. He's now the tight end for the Carolina Panthers, Hayden Hurst. I think, with a, like I, I preach it all the time, young quarterbacks love tight ends. Hayden Hurst is a veteran tight end. Yeah, he's been around at some teams, played for the Ravens, started off there, then went to Atlanta. He played pretty well with the Cincinnati Bengals. 
I think playing with Bryce Young under Frank Wright, who can get you know the offense going, he's not that bad an offensive coach. I like Hayden Hurst. You don't have to draft him high. He could be your, your second tight end you pick. Take him. Keep him on the bench and see what he's starting to do. It's worth a later pick and just to see what he's going to do with Bryce Young. Bryce Young is going to bail out a lot of times to the, to the tight end. But let's be honest, they don't have many receivers out there in Carolina. So you need some that you a veteran experience that you can have out there that can throw the ball, the ball. Luke, or ball two. I know you're shaking your head. You don't like that pick, do you? No, I mean – I'm a, I'm a big Hayden Hurst fan. I, I mean, I didn't like him over in Cincinnati, but he's Hayden Hurst is a former first-round pick. He was picked before Lamar Jackson in the draft. And I Mark mean, Andrews. And Mark, Mark Andrews is a third-round pick. So, I mean, the only reason the Ravens got rid of uh, Hayden Hurst is just because the emergence of um, Andrews, just he just took off and could worry about it. Keep, keep two tight ends as, as two rookie ones. Somebody had to get paid. And we just decided to pay Mark Andrews instead. But Hayden Hurst, he's a good wide receiver. Sure hands, strong, physical player. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, he, and he's got some speed to him, too. He's not that he's pretty quick, too, for uh, for a tight end. So definitely like the pick. I know me and Chris be battling out for him in the dynasty mock drafts we've been doing. It seems like me and him are always trying to go for him. Chris, who's your third and final sleeper for this version of the sleepers? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the tight end train right here with you, Mark. I'm gonna gonna go Aconquo out of Tennessee. I mean the depth chart there, like freaking um the fucking chart Rams. Sorry, blank there. But that that tight end depth or the wide receiver depth chart. Sorry, just fucking erased these past thirty seconds. This Tennessee depth chart is a complete mess. I mean, you got fucking Nick Westbrooks, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore. Who are these people? I mean, he his last year was his rookie season, and he showed flashes the second part of the season. He flashed incredible yards after catchability. He led the position in yards per route, yards per reception, while having as many 20-yard-plus 20 20 receptions as Mark Andrews. I mean, I fully expect him to emerge as the second receiving option over there for Tennessee if it's Will Levis or if it's whoever playing Ryan, that quarterback. Yeah, speaking of that, Ryan Tannehill's back, so now your tight end can be involved more rather than just you know have Malik Willis out there running the ball with the running back and let Malik Willis hand off to him. Luke, you're number three tight end. Or, I'm sorry, number three sleeper. So my last sleeper is going to be Jameer Gibbs from the Detroit Lions. He, he's the uh, – Running back, they reached on the first round to get. I think they got rid of uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. So Jameer Gibbs automatically, he's pretty much a shoe in for RB1 slots. And he's probably going to be an every down back over with the Lions. So I like him. He was an absolute stud out of Alabama and Georgia Tech when he played there. So I think he's going to take over the Detroit Lions running back position and be that three down back for them. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. Is are you gonna who if someone's drafting running back, are they gonna draft David Montgomery first or Jameer Gibbs? I mean, I like maybe getting Gibbs, like you said, maybe not overreaching for him, but let him fall to you maybe in the third round or whatever if he's there, and then just snatch him up, have him on your bench. He's gonna play eventually, and even if he's not starting, he's gonna get some looks in the passing game. Yeah, if he's if he's there in the the late second round, I might want to look at taking him because I think I think he's gonna have an absolute huge season. He's going to take over that position for the Lions. Yeah. And the Lions yeah, love using the running backs. 
Yeah, they do. And Chris knows about Jameer Gibbs. He saw him, you know, play in Alabama. So he understands that Jameer Gibbs is a pretty deadly running back to have in the backfield. So my final, uh, speaking of Alabama, my final sleeper, I'm going John Mechie the third. His first true year playing the game in the NFL. Dude did not get on the field last year because he had leukemia. So shout out to him. This is me saying this as if he gets cleared to play. Dude was a stud. I believe he was a, I believe he was a, either first or second round draft pick in last year's draft in the 2022 class. I think the dude's going to be balling out there. And Houston, where they don't have much depth, once again, that's the keys. He's got a team for picking, don't have much depth at that position. I mean, I know they brought Robert Woods in there, but CJ Stroud, our quarterback, I think he's going to be pretty good. Pair him up with John Mechie, the third, and let Mechie go to work. I, I think he's going to have a big year. Chris, do you think he could bounce back? Maybe it might take him a little bit, but do you think he can have, be productive if he plays? Yeah, no, Mark. Like you said, I think he's going to have to. He's going to have some rust on him. I don't know. I haven't really seen him in his OTAs if he's even there or not getting cleared. But he's going to have rust. But he's definitely a bench stash player to hold on to and see if he pops off towards the end of the season. Yeah, hold on to him because he might be there for the playoff push for your team, and that's that's the keys. I mean, you, if you can keep him on the bench for the first six, seven, eight weeks and let him come out, ball and gun, you know, guns blazing in the second half of the season, dude, that's, a, that's your playoff push. You put him in your flex spot, and then you have you have depth at the wide receiver position. That's the keys. Wide receivers, they're they're deep. And speaking of deep, maybe you could draft these guys, you know, a little deeper, not so early. These are the overhyped players. So pretty much, like I said, these aren't necessarily bust players. These are just guys that, you shouldn't overreach for if you don't need to. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. You're number one overhyped player for this year. Yeah, like you said, Mark, I don't think they're I don't think they're going to be bust players, but I think they're players where you might not have to take them at their ADP. I think they're going to go a little bit. They're going to perform a little bit lower than what they're projecting to do. Both my number one player, I'm going to keep with the New Orleans Saints. I'm going Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's tough envisioning Kamara returning to his RB1 status like he did late in his stage of this career. Like you mentioned earlier, he's looming that legal trouble, facing possible suspension. We don't know how long. His trial is coming up pretty soon. I think it's like June 12th or something. And he also has that crowded backfield to come back to. We've got Jamal Williams, who's literally outperforming in OTAs. And then we got Miller as well, who's up and coming. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm not – I mean, I think AK is going to be a little – not as highly drafted as uh, he normally is. Uh, but Luke, pretty shocking to see the old New Orleans boy over here choosing his own team as an overhyped player. Yeah, I mean, he's just being honest about it, though. I'm like, Alan Kamara is possibly going li- to like miss six games this season. And Coming back after six game suspension, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. If the team Saints are already rolling at that position. To see where like he fits on the team. He, yeah. he could just find legal trouble on his way out of the team. Just stay away from Vegas. He'll be fine. Um, it's, Luke, the, it's the NFL's fault for taking the Pro Bowl there. Yeah, <laughs> it's their fault. Luke, who's your who's your number one overhyped <laughs> player on your list? So I'm gonna go with uh, Mike Evans with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the quarterback situation, we don't know what's going on there. We've seen them, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask in OTAs. It doesn't look like they hit a fucking bus. So Mike Evans, I'm a big name, big-time big, big time wide receiver. 
but he doesn't have Tom Brady throwing the ball this season. So the Bucs also have a couple other uh, pretty good wide receivers out there. So Mike Evans is going to get a lot of attention. I, I would be careful drafting a big name at the wide receiver position for Mike Evans. Yeah, and I had Mike Evans questionable on my list. I thought about it, but the reason why I didn't pick him is because he's like supposed to be like third round ADP. But I agree with you. You know, he doesn't have Tom Brady throwing the ball. But you know, he didn't have Tom Brady him throwing the ball neither. And uh, before that, and he had you know James Winston and guys like that, and he still had a thousand yards. So I'm very interested to see what Mike Evans is going to do for fantasy. I I'm I'm agree with you. I'm questionable on him. I I don't know where I want to put. Him. I'm in the middle with him. Um, but. My number one is kind of a – it's a 1A, 1B. I have that um, that math skills that Vontae Adams has from Vegas. I'm going Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb together. I already told you I don't have John Taylor in my top ten at all. So, with that being said, I'm not drafting in a – well, I mean, maybe at number nine, maybe. But I have a little bit of bad history with him after last year. And the reason why I don't have Nick Chubb, not saying he's not going to have a great year. I think he'll have a, a pretty good year. Maybe not running back three or four. He was last year. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more with Deshaun Watson. It's going to be air, air, uh, air raid out there. I think in Cleveland, it's going to hurt Nick Chubb, and they don't really use him in the passing game. So it's it's going to hurt him. I think a little bit. I think he can still be a top ten running back, but I'm not drafting him in my first four or five running backs. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know how you feel about that, Chris. I know your father-in-law is a Browns fan. Maybe you've been you know seeing some more Chubb action. Do you, do you agree with that? No, I mean, I think, I think, I don't know. I would still take Chubb at his ADP. I mean, he's reliable. He's going to get you those points. He's a heavy runner, and they're going to feed him the ball just like Tennessee feeds Henry. And I, I don't know. I can't agree with you on Taylor either. I mean, I had him up there in my top five for running back. I think he's going to have a bounce back year from last season. I see you shaking your head, but we'll see. Let's take receipts. No, I was shaking my head. I'm losing eye eye message game right now. I'm getting my ass kicked. But um, no, yeah, I, I'm just not big on JT this year. I mean, I think he can. I think he can bounce back. I just don't know how I feel about him. I just don't think he's top you, ten. You just butt heard about your fantasy team last season about him. No, I I, I made <laughs> I made a profit on fantasy last year. I don't know about you, Luke. I've made profit a couple times. Um, I know Chris has made it a couple times as well. A few few times actually. Um. I'm not butthurt that I didn't. I'm not butthurt about my team. I'm butthurt that I didn't have a chance to win. Not my team's fault. I mean, happens. Accidents happen. Shout out to Demar Hamlin as he's back in the NFL before full Michael Thomas. Man, yeah, yeah, full participant before it. Before Michael Thomas, dude, dude, dude died. Yeah, <laughs> and dude he's died, back. and he's back. I guess those foots are. I guess Mike Thomas. More, yeah, Michael Thomas hurts his toe and he fucking misses two seasons. I guess a foot uh, is more impactful than you know your life. <laughs> Rough ankle. But, but what do I know? I'm not. A, I'm not an NFL player, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything. Chris, your number two overhyped player coming into this year. I hope Doc's listening right now. I got DJ Moore out of Chicago. I mean, solid Ooh. wide receiver too, with all the talent in the world, but he never fully put it together to reach that top twelve status. The move to Chicago might excite us. Might get our panties in a rumble. I mean, more ranked six and deep targets and wide receivers. But you know what? Who's throwing the ball? Fields. And what did Fields do? The man struggled mightily in the category of that and finished 28th in adjusted deep completion percentage. So Fields cannot sling the ball deep like DJ Moore likes. So I think he's going to drop with that. 
Yeah, Luke, you said, oh, uh, that's that's a big one. That's that's yeah. a hot take there, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm a DJ Moore fan, so I mean he he did the best he could in Carolina, which was a fucking dumpster fire. But I mean he he what he did he had some pretty big plays over in Carolina, even with that shitty team. But I liked him. I wish the Ravens would have drafted him a couple years ago. Out yeah. Of Maryland. And with that, Luke, who's your second overhyped player? So my second overhyped player is currently not on a team. I'm going to go DeAndre Hopkins. So DeAndre Hopkins, we don't know what he wants to do. He says he wants to play with one of these top-tier quarterbacks, but he's going to visit with the Titans this week. So I don't know, is DeAndre Hopkins just chasing money? Does he chase the Super Bowls? And every day he's not on a team. He's just losing those valuable reps, learning the offense, learning the playbook. So I think DeAndre Hopkins, especially if he goes on a team that's just going to pay him whatever he wants, it's probably going to be a shitty team. He's going to be getting all the attention from the defense because there are going to be no other wide receivers. So I, I would not overdraft on DeAndre Hopkins, depending on what team he goes to. Yeah, that's another shaky one. Is Hopefully he's on a team before people start drafting. I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a top 10 uh, fantasy wide receiver. So, I mean – I kind of consider him in the middle ground because I can I can consider him a sleeper because I don't know his ADP ADP is yet for this year. But yeah, if if you overdraft him and you think second rounds Hopkins, you're a fool. You can get better receivers for a better value later on in the draft. I do agree with that that aspect. Um, my number two, I'm going Darren Waller, the New York Giants' new tight end. We've said it, guys got injury problems. When he's healthy, he's a stud. But I'm not overdrafting him. I don't overdraft tight ends as it is now besides Travis Kelsey. I am not drafting Darren Waller as my third or fourth tight end. I'm not drafting him with my third or fourth pick. I'll fucking take a chance on Pat Frumuth down the line or somebody else like that. I'm not drafting Darren Waller within my top like four or five picks. And that's the problem is people are going to think, oh, he's in the Giants offense, Brian Dayball this, Saquon this, Danny Dimes is fucking looking good. Darren Waller is a joke. He's healthy. He's always hurt. And if you fucking waste your pick on that, good for you. Your season's going to be shit as you don't have a tight end. Chris, you agree with that? <laughs> I mean, I do. I mean, it's like you mentioned, Darren Wall is all about injury. Is he going to be able to play football? Is he going to be able to catch the ball? If he's on the sideline, he's not doing shit for your team. He's not getting you those yeah, points. I... And the points do what, Mark? The points... The most points scored in a fantasy matchup helps you win the game. This isn't fucking exactly. golf, dude. It's it's highest points scored. Exactly. Chris, who's your number three and final overhyped player? Mark, again, going to keep the tight end train rolling. I wasn't here last, last episode to defend my pick, but hot take, choo-choo, going George Kittle. I mean, we love him. Great tight end, highlight machine. But I don't think he's going to be able to sustain what he did. The end of the season with Brock Purdy was a little bit of an outlier. I mean, he had seven touchdowns in the final month compared to averaging four touchdowns per season in his previous five years of his career. There's a lot of mouths to feed on that offense, and CMC is going to take a lot of it. He's a very safety net tight end. If you're looking for a safe tight end, you can save your early pick and you can draft someone much lower with an opportunity cost of a mid-round tight end pick. Yeah, I know, Luke, me and you and Doc, were when we were shocked when I read 
George Kittle coming off so so low in the top ten. You think that that's a good take, or do you? I mean, do you still take that chance on George Kittle if he's there in the right spot? I mean, if he's in the right spot for you, I wouldn't reach for George Kittle at the tight end position just because there is so many mouths to feed. But I think I think he's still going to get a lot of attention being that safety net for whatever trash quarterbacks playing for the 49ers. It's going to be it's going to be the CMC show down there. But I think Kittle in the passing game is going to get a lot of the majority of it just because I don't think that the Brock Purdy or whoever's playing quarterback there is going to have a lot of time to get some like big plays going on. So he's going to have to dump it off. Kittle's a big play tight end too. A big strong guy. He can break a lot of tackles. He has fun doing it. He loves the game. So I want I want to reach for him, but I'd take him at his probably tight end five or six. I, I can't remember where I had him on my my tight end ratings. So did you? Well, you had him. Uh, have it right actually. Right I here. No, I have I it. Have you had him at number uh, four. Tight end five. Yeah, you had him at four though, Luke. But I did you four. say? <laughs> did you say trash quarterback? Who was? Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, oh. Okay, because I'm just confused because yeah, we got trash. text messages saying that co- uh, Brock Purdy's big cock Brock. So he he was I, he was at the time until until he couldn't throw lefty in the game, and they're trying to get Chris McCaffrey to go out there and play quarterback. <laughs> so I mean I mean Purdy's been working on his left-handed throws, but still once he's get that figured out, he can start playing lefty too. That ambidextrous QB, but he he's the reason they lost the playoff game. So kind of lost a little hope in him. He, he was on a little hot streak for a little bit. I was getting hyped about the the last Mr. Irrelevant draft gotcha. pick. But all right. Well, with that though, who is your final overhyped player? So my my last overhyped player is also somebody that's not currently on team. Big name running back Ezekiel Elliott. Do not draft this guy probably within your first five rounds. That doesn't matter what team he goes to. I would be very cautious drafting Ezekiel Elliott. All he was for the Cowboys last season was a fourth fourth down, third and short kind of player, like or goal line. So that's all he's going. You got to hope for him getting a two yard touchdown if you're going to get any points out of Zeke next season. So if you're drafting Zeke Elliott, I don't give a shit if it's your last pick. Just fucking stop playing fantasy football. Just, I mean, I, honestly, don't play fantasy football. Yeah, because that'd be the don't, dumbest don't. pick. Don't don't get enamored by a big name. You saw him a few years ago balling out. If if you're new to fantasy and you see Zeke Elliott on there, don't fucking draft him. Yeah, I, I would. I draft Tom Brady before I draft Zeke Elliott. Um, my Tom Brady's final, better fourth and short player too. Uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah he can get some more <laughs> rush touchdowns on that goal line. Um, my final one, boys, is a pretty big one. I think it's Garrett Wilson out of the New York Jets. I'm not saying, like I said, he's not going to be good. But there's a lot of mouths to feed. Brees Hall's back. How often does Darren Rodgers throw the ball? He's ranked number 11th on your ADP for wide receivers at that draft or at that position. I know a lot of people might go early second round. Not me. I'm not doing it. I'm not saying he's not going to be good, like I said. I just don't trust it. You got Al Lazark there, Randall Cobb. Those are guys that Aaron Rodgers knows, has a great amount of chemistry with. And like I said, they're getting Brees Hall back. So I'm saying do not overreach for Garrett Wilson. There's a lot of other receivers that are going to have more of the wide receiver one true looks in this league. Don't draft Garrett Wilson early. That's all I'm saying. Chris, Luke, any problem with that one? 
Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, yes, I think he's going to have another fantastic year, but there is more mouths to feed over there, and we don't know the chemistry with him and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. And with that, the, I mean, yeah. oh, sorry, Chris. No, go ahead. Yeah. My bad. ESPN has him as wide receiver 14. I think that's a pretty good spot for him. Like y'all mentioned, I mean, he had an outstanding rookie season with a quarterback that likes to fuck moms. So I think with Aaron Rodgers back there, Aaron Rodgers is going to feed him the ball just so he doesn't fuck his mom. I think I think 14 <laughs> is going to be good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I just don't want people overdraft that. Like, don't reach for him. Like, I mean, unless you, I mean, I, and then speaking of that, that's going to be our part of our next segment is we got our listeners load segment. Like I said, for you viewers and listeners, this segment is for you. You guys and gals can send us any kind of questions or conversation starters that you would like us to talk about, debate about, or if you have news that we weren't tracking, throw it in there. You know, we could talk about it. So last week, we, you know, last episode, we had a great one with the goat talk. Uh, we got some good feedback with that. A lot of people said that Jerry Rice wasn't even the greatest wide receiver. So that was Doc's, you know, goat. A lot of people said Randy Moss. And that brought up to, like, you know, MJ's the goat. But, guys, like, you can make an argument for, like, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird if you wanted to. But this week, this – sorry, this uh, episode is going to be about fantasy. We got a good uh, – what's his name? Alan – I can't pronounce his last name, Chris. That's your boy. Alan. Our boy, Alan Crowder <laughs> out of Baton yeah, Rouge, Crowder. Louisiana. Yeah, I called Alan Croacher. Uh, I don't know why I did that. Sorry about it, Alan. But good question, though, in the Sackhouse mailbox. That's what I like to see. Um, for the listeners, load segment, how do we draft our fantasy players? Do we draft them based on average draft position, so your ADPs? Or do you just draft guys that you want, that you like, that you think you need? Chris, how do you draft? Like, I mean, do you use both? Is it mainly one way? How does that strategy go? Yeah, so I mean, I think this all depends on kind of what draft position you have. I mean, if you're late, late round picks, then you're going to want to kind of reach for players because you know some players aren't going to be there when it comes back around and what, 12, 20 picks later. But I mean, I use ADP to kind of set up tiers of positions and then I use the tier positions. I don't really – I mean, I look at ADP if I'm looking at if I desperately need somebody like a tight end late in the draft or somebody like that. But I think it all matters of what draft position you are, if you're late, if you're first, or if you're in the middle. So I think it's just kind of what you need, what your team needs, what you're looking for, and where you're at in your draft. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I look at um, I look at ADP as like a starter – to see like kind of where these guys are falling, kind of like make notes of where I want guys at. And then obviously doing mock drafts gives me a good idea. Uh, I think sleeper is pretty good now. I mean, the computer kind of goes back and forth, but um, I use ADP as a kind of a starter method. Sometimes I'll reach on guys because I know I can't get to them in that next round. Like you said, it depends on where you're at. If you're in the middle of the draft, sure, shit, why not? But if I'm like pick number nine, like I am, I know I can take a chance on like a Tyree kill if he's at nine and I'm going to get a running back. Just hopefully it's one of the two or three that I want that's going to be there as it circles back around. So, yeah, I mean, but I also use ADP not to draft people because there's guys that, like, for example, I'm not saying this is true, but let's say Lamar Jackson's ranked 20. And the whole, all the players. Yeah, that's a little high for me. I'm not going to sit there and draft them in the second round. I don't draft quarterbacks that well in the second round anyways. You might this year now because 
Mahomes and, and Allen and Jalen Hurts are going to get that attention. But guys like that, like like Luke said, Mike Evans, if Mike Evans is sitting there at ADP 21 or 22, I don't think I'm going to pick him there. I think I might let him fall a little bit because some guys do fall because not when you're drafting with actual people, ADP doesn't always matter. Luke, is that how you're feeling? I mean, you're drafted number one, so you're probably going the number one ADP player anyways. Yeah, I've, I'm decided who I'm going to take number one overall yet. Still still up in the air, even position group I want to take. But I, I use the ADP as kind of like a baseline to see where these players about are going to fall. And then I kind of line them up kind of based on what their situation is on that team. So if I'm looking at wide receivers, kind of look at who their quarterback is or where they are following the depth chart for that team. So if that if that's some, that person is good, like his ADP is low, but he's – wide receiver one for that team, I might overdraft him a little bit because he's going to be getting all the attention. But if he's like ADP's high, but he's number two or three wide receiver, I might just pass on him just because he's not going to get the looks or the amount of targets that somebody else might get that I I wait on. So, But being at that number one position, I, I draft once, then I wait, and I wait, and I wait. So I got to, I have to be prepared to take two players back to back, and just the next twenty four players, I got to expect to be gone. So being at that one that position where you're taking back to back picks, your second pick you're probably gonna have to reach on somebody because that person's not gonna be there on their way back. Yeah, and I think I think the first two rounds ADP matters a little more because you know you're right there. But when it comes to starting to get to like the middle rounds, you can start to kind of feel out where you guys think are gonna fall. So like. You might have a guy ADP that's like in the the tenth or eleventh round, but you know you don't want someone to steal him, you know maybe for you because it also depends. You start to know after you play with the same amount of people for so many years, you kind of get their their draft strategy a little bit too. So like I can kind of predict. Well, what Chris and Luke does doesn't really affect me at the moment. I mean, it could because maybe they maybe they will draft him, but guys that are around me, you know, with them two or three, I kind of look at that and be like, okay, I kind of gotta maybe get ahead of this guy because someone. I know he loves his running back depth. I know he loves his wide receiver depth. I know he's been talking about this guy, you know, for the last couple of weeks. I kind of may have to get him before, you know, that average draft position. So, like, yeah, you use it as a baseline, but then you go around it. You don't say, well, all right, well, this is the best player. Like, it's not like NFL draft in real life. You don't draft best player based on average draft position. So, Chris, at number four, that's where you're at. Like, same thing with Luke. You're probably taking one of the, the top positions regardless. It doesn't matter about ADP at that moment. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what the three other guys in front of me pick. I mean, if we go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, then I'm picking the best position for that position pretty much. Yeah. I, I think the first, first round has got to be like best player available pretty much. Then then it goes strategy in second, third, and so on. But that's the thing is I don't use ADP because like if I'm picking nine, let's say – um, the ninth best players there, and the, you guys chose somehow all top eight. That ninth best player might not be my ninth best player, or you know, on the board. So it's you know, like I said, you have kind of have to make a list of you know who you have. Kind of, kind of go there prepared. Don't just look at a screen because you only get a minute. So kind of start making mental notes of where you what you want to do. But Alan, that's a great question, dude. I, I mean, yeah, like you start to use a baseline. I think our opinion, but you kind of go around that and you start just. I say honestly, make a list. Start getting you know. Pronounce there, you know, that's what we did when I was uh, out there in the Middle East for a deployment. You know, I made lists 
I mean, it was a real draft, so we had to, but that kind of gives you a strategy of where you think these guys are going to fall. Right. Speaking it, of them, it's also, oh, it's, no, all, it's also tough because like doing, doing all these mocks, yeah, all these mocks are like, they're great. You can kind of get a feel of how it may fall, but once you get everybody in this draft room together, it never goes the same way any fucking mock went. So, oh yeah, especially when you get especially when you get a lot of people that know football. They're they're going to take players that you you would never expect them to take. So you could think somebody's going to fall to you, and they'll get taken up the pick right before you. I mean, I think yeah, mocks, I definitely agree with that. Is, I think doing mocks is great, not for trying to see if I can get this player in this round. It's more about trying to see if your strategy is going to work, like. If I take a wide receiver round one, what running backs is going to fall to me round two? Or if I take a wide receiver one and two, what am I going to get in round three? You know, it's talking about setting up your team. Who are you going to pick? What draft? What positions are you going to pick early? And what is going to suck late? I mean, it's give and take right there. Yeah, I wasn't saying mocks don't help. I'm just saying that. It's never gonna like the draft's never gonna fall the same way the mock does once you get everybody in the same draft room. Oh yeah, because yeah. everyone's 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 got different philosophies. They draft like you guys have said, so that's just the way it is. And I mean, I think a mock's just a good kind of starter to feel to see where players maybe hover around. But like you said, everyone drafts differently. Some guys might overreach on a player early on, or even in the middle or later rounds that you just didn't think that were gonna be taken, and then that. That throws you in the fucking nutshell, and now you have to sit here and panic for a minute. Of what you're going to do? That happened to me last year. I forgot who it was, yeah. but I panicked and wait till the last couple of seconds, and there it goes. Yeah, it ha- happens to me every year in our our real draft. I'm like, oh fuck, I didn't expect that to happen, and now I'm sitting there on the clock having to pick two players back to back. I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think, like I said, the the real draft I did, we did one for fun uh, out there in the Middle East, and. A guy that played fantasy chose the fucking Pittsburgh Steelers with his the second overall pick of the of the draft, and I'm sitting there like, well, I'm over here putting the names on the board. I'm like fucking panicking already because I was like, I didn't think expect a defense this early. I wasn't prepared for defense, and then it started throwing me for a nutshell because now I'm sitting here thinking, oh shit, who am I drafting? Because I didn't think you know these guys were gonna fall to me. Yeah, people draft pretty wild, and that's just the way it goes. Uh, but speaking of the Middle East boys, Saudi Arabia. They're they're taking over. I mean, or they're trying to at least. You know, they had the live tour, um, that was around for a couple of years, which we were talking pretty heavily. Luke's now a fucking golf pro over here watching his damn Netflix golf show. Guru. The Pete, yeah, golf yeah. guru. I'm wishing I didn't watch it. You know, the PGA is a fucking sellout. They sold out to live. They had, all their players went like they had what five or six top players go to live. And they just talked about how they're a fucking terrorist going to live. But what does the PGA do? What, not even a year later? They fucking sell out themselves. The so I wish I'd take back watching fucking Full Swing on Netflix. I gave PGA probably 1%. The P, or those guys that left, they weren't top five or six golfers in the world at the time they left. Brooksy, Brooks Kepka was falling off a little bit, He which he addresses that in the, the documentary. They're some of the top players, like name-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, popularity, but yeah, not. Yeah, that's what I meant, popularity-wise. But like, like Luke said, the PGA Tour and the Live Tour and the DP World Tour have combined to become, I guess, like a partnership. The full details hasn't fully come out yet, and 
It sounds like a lot of people were assuming that the Live Tour is going to die down. I, I don't know. The, I know the PGA is not going to go by what the Live did. They're not going to fucking allow these fans to throw shit on the course, to be screaming, playing music in the background. PGA, they are old traditional rules. They are not going to be doing that shit, especially at Augusta. You're not going to go to Augusta for the Masters, and these guys are throwing fucking balloons and pool noodles on the damn hole. That's just not going to work. Um, courses have rules. And the Live Tour honestly didn't have ratings already. So I know golf's more of a dying sport like it was before Tiger came in and changed the game again. But uh, the Live Tour was a joke. Good good for the players that left there, got their money, and now they're going to be able to come back probably. It seems like to play for the PGA Tour. Hey, they're the real winners of the whole deal. They left, got their guaranteed contract that guys like Rory and Tiger and John Rahm and all those boys didn't take. Good for them. Yeah. The PGA better make it right to this fucking deuce or dying on the sword for them. It's fucked up that the Phil Mickelson went out there and got four hundred million dollars guaranteed, and guess what? He's back playing the same course as everybody else is. Yeah, but these guys. No, no I don't hate. No hate against him, Phil Mickelson. He made the right decision here, but well, it sucks for those players time. that died on the sword for the PGA. For the PGA, just fucking stab him in the back and just go sign with Saudi, the Saudi Arabia, anyways. Or like make Rory, a deal with them. I, we don't know the deal, but the way the way it looks, it's it's not fair to those guys that turn down those big contracts. Well, like Rory said, just fucking be better. Maybe compete at a better level. Maybe you'll get more money. I mean, golf's never well. PGA was never it, a. You're you're not going to get that four hundred million dollar con like fully guaranteed just being better. They only get like one, two, maybe five million top for being first place on a Masters League course. The problem though so is that it's a big, big price difference with that fully guaranteed contract. The so problem though is you, you can't say Roy didn't miss out on a lot of money. No, he didn't. He missed out a lot of money. But the problem with the guys that aren't as established as a Rory or a Tiger or guys like that is the guys that never left that were smaller. If they go to the Live Tour, they can't compete in the majors. That's big. So like, yeah, okay. So you can win. You're going to make money, but you're they could you're not. Well, yeah, but what I'm <laughs> saying is like now. guys. Well, those guys in the Live Tour could the guys that won majors could have got still played majors even in the Live Tour. They were allowing them to play. So, the guys that weren't established though that could have taken maybe like five million dollars guaranteed, ten million for a couple of years, they weren't going to be able to play the Masters, the PGA, the Open, and the U.S. Open. So, it's it, it just depends. Like they said, those bigger names that left were guys that weren't competing at a higher level, like the PGA Tour. So, hey, and good for them. Like I said, they're, they're the real winners of the deal. Chris, yeah. I- I just feel the PGA should make it right for those players that did that. I mean, maybe they aren't going to get the same amount of money, but the PGA just fucking screwed them over. And, Chris, what should the PGA do, you think, to, to maybe make golf better, maybe make it right by their players too? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I really have no opinion on this. The only opinion I have, like Mark, you said earlier, that the sport of golf is dying, which is completely sad. They just got to do something to make – people interested in watching i mean i know the only people that really watch golf is people that either play golf or really like golf they got to do something to spice it up to have people that don't watch it or have no interest in golf want to tune in on it just like the super bowl i mean you have millions of people that don't follow football like we do but you know what they do sunday night during the foot during the super bowl they watch two teams go head to head and see what team has a higher score than the other yeah, because that's how you yeah, win the game. Yeah, plus that, 
the halftime show for the Super Bowl had more viewers than the actual Super Bowl it did at the beginning of the show. And speaking uh, of the halftime show, the rumor is Harry Styles is going to be performing not. in the Super Bowl. So another shit performer, in my opinion. Hey, I'm not saying you're a bad guy, Harry, but sorry, you're not Super Bowl worthy, in my opinion. And speaking of Saudi Arabia still, Lionel Messi passed on $1.6 billion to come play. It was a three-year deal, too, to come play for the Miami MLS team. Obviously, it looks like he's got a lot of uh, post-playing career uh, achievements there he's going to be able to accomplish. Chris, $1.6 billion. You taking that deal if they give it to you? Uh, Fuck, I'm taking that deal if they gave that to me. (laughs) I'd take that deal over and over again. But, I mean, we argued earlier – not really argued, but we discussed it earlier. I think he took this deal just as some passive income. I mean, if we looked at the deal with Miami, I mean, he gets stakes in Adidas. He gets stakes in Apple TV. He gets to buy ownership when he retires. I also think he wants to just come to America and shit on these fucking MLS teams. But I think it's great for MLS, get a big name in there, and turn make make football great in America. Yeah, football would be great again in America, but like like you said, he he's changed the game. The Instagram, I don't they post that where the view or the followers from Miami jumped up. Also, tickets jumped up from like thirty bucks, to like five hundred dollars. Luke, do you think maybe he also went to Miami because it's just a better living style? Miami apparently is on. According to Dana White, Miami's becoming what Los or or sorry, what Los Angeles is out there in California. Miami's becoming a high profile city where people want to go there and hang out and live. Yeah. My Miami has been a high profile city for a long time. It just has the tax benefits that Los Angeles doesn't. Everybody wants to fucking live in Florida because California, I don't know what they're doing over there, but they're coming up with all kinds of crazy laws. I'm not going to get into politics on it, but the, the tax laws in Florida, no, no state sales tax. So you're not getting all that fucking 20% sales tax that California has for your income. Uh, yeah, but, but are you gonna maybe but, maybe but, maybe when we're on Florida or maybe while it's in Nashville because you're out that way, maybe you'll go catch Messi that, game. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, he's they. I Miami better do a little more for him than just that. I I think an Adidas deal doesn't mean shit to me. It, who wears Adidas really? Besides these, like Nike's got a monopoly over like the sports apparel game. Uh, Apple TV, yeah, barely anybody has it. I, I use somebody else's account through somebody else. So nobody's really paying for Apple TV either. They have one good show, Ted Lasso. I don't know if he wants the Ted Lasso effect going on over there. Great show. If you guys haven't watched Ted Lasso, go check it out. I just finished season three. Uh, the, pretty much, I'm pretty sure it's going to be last season. Great final episode. But, I mean, $1.6 billion is hard to turn down to. I mean... Three years in the desert for 1.6 doesn't sound too bad. I think that deal is a richer deal overall. Even because you can take that 1.6 billion dollars and make that passive income either way. I think you can make greater passive income buying other stuff besides an, a small share of Apple TV and Adidas. I mean, and honestly, he doesn't and, have to. And be- the rights to buy a partnership in the, the Miami MLS team too. Cause I think he still has to pay for that, that uh, part of the team as well in his deal. 
And being out in the desert for three years, it's not like you're living there nonstop every single day. You're going to allow to travel. Play, yeah. play, play the season, come back home, go yeah, back for I mean, another season, come back home. It's not, I would have taken the $1.6 billion from Saudi Arabia. I would have taken that oil money. They're, those dudes over there just printing money left and right. Yeah, that's well, what they're this, doing. It's well, like, like Pat Matt. But I also can't play soccer. I can't play soccer, so I, it never happened for me. Well, but, this you know, yeah, so, like I said, Saudi's trying to. Oh, sorry. Will this move make this? Will this move make one of you watch an MLS game this season, next season? Because they're in the middle of one right now. No, but if there is one within an hour driving distance of me, I'd go. I've I've, I've been to a, what Austin FC game and a uh, Orlando City soccer game. They're fun games to go to. Great environment, great fans. They're rowdy, but am I going to watch on TV either way? Probably not. I mean, we literally yeah, bought I mean, tickets last minute to go to Orlando, Atlanta, Orlando game out there in Orlando. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was a great game. I'll go I, to any sport. I didn't know what was going on, but somebody next to me was pissed off, so I was pissed off, and we were throwing <laughs> shit on the fucking field. Yeah, no, personally, <laughs> I would say, like, the Orlando City game that we went to, I might have had more fun during that game than I did like a football game. I mean, like you said, Luke, I didn't know really what the fuck was happening. I didn't know the players on the field. I didn't even know that we could waste 90 minutes and we could end in a tie. But I had a great time, and I had a great time throwing shit at the refs on the field. And then yelling in the car on the way home saying, fuck ATL or fuck Atlanta. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, like you said, soccer environments are just different. I don't watch soccer, so that answers that question, Chris. No, I wouldn't. I watch it during the World Cup time because I, I kind of like the country aspect. I like the whole pride thing that, you know, between each country. I'll watch it with my office on lunch breaks because they, they watch the Premier League. But that's the only time. And I'm sitting there asking questions. Like, I understand the rules a little bit. I just don't know all these players because there's so many fucking leagues and clubs and teams and players. I can't. It's like college football. I can't keep track of every single team. It's It's impossible for me. Yeah, yeah, plus the seasons for them are so confusing. They they take that break for like the international play in the middle of the season. Then they come back to regular league play. I I learned a lot from Ted Lasso. That's the only reason I know about any of this actually because well, they, they talk inter- about it. It's not just international play. So you have so you have your Premier League, right? Yeah, it's it's so confusing, and you can get relegated. You can move up and down. And then you fucking have champions, leagues. and then you have the Champions League, which. So yeah. the Champions League is people that finished from last season that's going to come into this season for the year. And it's like, what the fuck's going on, man? I don't get it. Yeah, it's yeah. very hard to follow. You, you have to be a like, football expert to understand if, what the fuck's going on over there. If I lived in if I lived in Europe, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, I'd fucking be watching in a heartbeat, guaranteed. But this is America, and that's I, – I watch – Yeah, I we play American football here. Yeah, I watch American football. So that's we just the way it goes. And speaking <laughs> of how things goes. I hope that you viewers and listeners, you know, I know we've been a little longer on episodes lately. We have now four talking heads, even though it's three today, but we'll be getting some good talking points with fantasy with the new listeners load segment, which includes you, the beautiful viewers and listeners. And, you know, we even try talking soccer and golf. You know, we got to get that community in there as well. It can't just be all, you know, balls of the balls we like to talk about. We got to get the little white ones in there and get the white ones with the nice patterns for soccer. But, you know, we even talk about pucks too. Yeah, we, we talk about pucks. So, like I said, Miami's on the upcoming, too. If Miami could pull this off, you know, maybe the Panthers and the Heat win. And then you have Messi coming in. Miami might be the, probably the biggest city with sports at the moment. So, 
I mean, they already are when it comes to, like, they have two championship teams in there, and then you have Messi signing. They're right now the biggest city news for sports at the moment. Except the Marlins. Well, actually, the Marlins, are doing, and the, Marlins are doing, the Marlins are doing really good this year, too. They're in second place in NL East, right behind the Braves. They're a winning record. They're in the wild card spot at the moment. But, I mean, Miami is thriving at the moment. And, hey, it's good to see a Florida city thriving. I, I mean, I, I like to see it. Just glass, not Orlando. But Florida sports, Florida sports are on the rise. Yeah, and like I said, I just want to thank all you viewers and listeners for sticking tuned with us. You know, it's a longer episode. We're going to get a good episode next week. We're going to be doing our mock 2.0 fantasy drafts. Since now we have all four of us in. So literally the whole episode is going to be fantasy. It's just going to be about fantasy football. Unless we have a good listeners load segment that we can get to, it's going to be all mock draft on Monday. That will be dropped on Wednesday. So that's Luke Rule. Luke, good to have you in there, buddy. Chris Kameinhart, always great to have him. Shout out to you, Doc. Hopefully get you back next episode. I am Mark Davis. This is All About the Balls Podcast, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.